0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. As we open these Bibles and we place them on our laps, Lord God, we know that the words that are on the pages of the Bible that we hold, Lord God, are living and active, and Lord, they surely can bring life into us, Lord God, if we will heed them and we will respect them and we will revere them. Because, Lord, they're words that came from your very mouth, Lord, in heaven, and they're eternal. And so, Lord, this morning we want to truly respect what you've placed in front of us and what this opportunity has been given to us, Lord God, that we can read your words. We can take them into our hearts, Lord, and we can be changed. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I humbly ask for you to help me. And as we go through these scriptures, Lord, may you use this time. And may you encourage us because, Lord, we belong to you. And it is a harsh world out there. And may this be a time where we're filled up, refreshed, and encouraged. And Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, so starting in Hebrews chapter 11, go down to verse 8. Verse 8, and we're going to start there. This is about a man by the name of Abraham. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God by faith Abraham even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren was enabled to become the father a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise and so from this one man and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. God bless you. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Uh, They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who... ...who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Well, I wanted to take, I don't know what Tyler's going through on Sunday mornings, but I wanted to take um, this message out of Hebrews chapter 11 and share some things with you about the life of Abraham and some things that hopefully you can apply to your own life this is actually a message that I shared with our young adults just a few weeks ago and so um, some of you guys that are uh, seniors and some of you guys that are graduated I just want you to know if you haven't come out on a Monday night to our young adults ministry um, I would love for you to come out there that's what I do I'm the young adults pastor by the way I didn't even introduce myself for you guys that don't know me I'm Turner I'm one of the pastors here and I am a uh, young adults pastor. I was for nine years a middle school pastor, and many of you guys had me as your middle school pastor. Raise your hand if you had me as your middle school pastor and you remember me. All right, that's cool, and you're sticking with it. I love it. You're still here. That's good. That's good. I hope you're treating Tyler well. Well, when you get to Hebrews chapter 11 here, it's an outline of a, a bunch of stories of individuals that are commended for their life of faith. And what they are doing is, you'll go through, as you go start in chapter 11, um, some people call this the Hall of Faith. I'm not a big fan of calling it the Hall of Faith because when you look at some of these people, they weren't really spectacular individuals in the whole scope of their life. But what they were doing is they were being recognized in chapter 11 for an individual Um, moment in their life where they obeyed God, they trusted God, and they believed God, and therefore they earned the right to be put in these passages in chapter 11 of Hebrews. But when you look at some of their lives, um, they weren't exactly amazing individuals. Um, When you get further on past Abraham, it talks about Isaac and Jacob. Well, Jacob, some of you guys know, his name literally meant heel catcher or tripper or deceiver. He was a deceiver, and he lived an entire life of deception, deceiving people, and, and a life that was just crooked and, and just not on the, on the straight and narrow. But then God gets a hold of him at one point, wrestles with him, and sets him straight, if, you know, figuratively speaking. Um, you got guys like Isaac, who was his dad, and Isaac was a similar way, deceptive, and, and deceived his brother. And, um, but they had moments in their lives where they were able to stand up and serve the Lord and obey the Lord and live by faith. And what I want what I like to do is look at the entire chapter of 11 and say, "Hey, let's take all of these commendations of faith, and each of them are unique." because they're unique to the person that's written about there. And I like to say, well, can I apply that to my life? And is there an opportunity for me to live like that in my life? And can I do this? And maybe if I can put all of them together, it can show us what a faith-filled life is all about. And I want you to understand something right now. If you're trying to live for Jesus, and you want to live for Christ, and you want to be a true Christian, and, and you want to stand for the Lord, you cannot do it apart from faith. You can't be be a strong Christian just by coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can't become a a strong Christian by doing religious activity that is required in the church by helping in Sunday school and and maybe serving or going to a camp. All of those things are good and fine and they have their, their place in the church, but that is not what makes you a faithful follower of Christ, a strong Christian. A strong Christian is someone who takes the very words of God brings them into their heart and says, I'm going to live for those very things. That's what makes someone a strong Christian. And if you take the words of God and you, and you ingest them into your spirit and you receive them as such, you will have a changed life and you will have a life that represents the very word of God that you're receiving in. The book of James tells us this very clearly because he talks about how when we hear God's word, we shouldn't just just hear it. And then like a man looking in a mirror, he looks at himself, sees his reflection, and then he turns away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. That is like someone who hears God's word and does not put it into practice. He says, but we should remember what we look like and take God's word when it's reflected upon us and then make the necessary changes in our lives so that we can glorify him. And not forget about what the Lord is showing us through His Word. This is difficult. The life of faith, I want to be honest with you guys, it's not an easy route. And if you live a life of faith, there's a couple things that you can begin to expect to happen in your life. And so I'm going to start with the very first one that I want to talk about. And the first one is is that Abraham was given this wonderful promise... Wonderful promise. I don't have slides, so if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Faith trusts in the promise. You can write that down. Faith trusts in the promise. Look at verses 8 through 10. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, ...who were heirs with him of the same promise... ...for he was looking forward to a city with foundations... ...whose architect and builder is God. Let me give you a little bit of a background story here... ...to help put this in context for you. Um, God had promised in Genesis chapter 3... ...that he was going to redeem mankind... um, ...through the seed of a woman. And uh, so this this came at the same time as the fall of man. So in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were there... ...Satan shows up in the form of a serpent... ...he deceives Eve... They eat the fruit that they're told not to eat from, and all of humanity is completely put on destruction at that point. And Death enters the world. It had not been in the world at that point. And so God shows up, and he sees all three of them standing there, and he asks them, what are you doing, number one? And then he not only asks them what, he's, what they're doing, but then what he does, is he takes and he pronounces a curse on Satan and on the world. And he tells Adam, hey listen Adam, I'm cursing the ground, and because of you, the ground will now grow thistles and thorns. In other words, it's going to have weeds, it's going to have thorn bushes. And what was Adam's main job? His main job in the garden was not only to name the animals, but to tend to the Garden of Eden. It was a garden. He had to tend to the garden. He had to make sure that the flowers were watered, and that they were pruned, and that everything was looking good. And he was getting the harvest out of the garden, right? That's what we do. If you've ever had a garden, it's hard work. It wasn't hard for Adam at first. It became really difficult when thorns started growing up. And he's reaching in to grab some cucumbers. And he's getting his hand you know, cut from thorns and thistles. And so the whole landscape of the entire planet changed when God pronounced that curse on the ground. And he said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to work the ground. And so Adam was the responsible for bringing all this hard work, this labor in the ground. And the tilling and all. It wasn't like that before. And then he looks at Satan, the serpent, and he says, he says you know, um, he, goes, uh, he tells him that he's going to be despised of all creatures, and um, he pronounces a, a curse on him, and then he looks at Eve, and he looks at Eve, and he says to Eve, he says that you're going to have pain in childbirth now, so I guess childbirth wasn't hard and difficult, if you guys ever seen a baby born, anybody, everybody's been born that's here, so I know you've been through something like that, but you cause somebody pain. You caused your mama pain when you were born, but it's difficult, it's hard, it's hard to watch. I mean, I, I had to kind of stand back watching my kids be born. I couldn't stand, and, and, but my wife's a trooper. And so uh, I got sidetracked there. But he said, you're going to have pain in childbirth. But then he also said to her that through your seed, uh, Satan will crush, uh, bite, his, bite his heel, but you he will crush his head. In other words, this is a promise that God was going to make right everything that had happened wrong in the Garden of Eden. And so God had a plan, and He put it in motion in Genesis chapter 3, that He, through a man, He was going to redeem all of mankind. And so God is at work to do this. Abraham is instrumental in this plan that God have, And you, you should be thankful. Each one of us are sitting here today because Abraham was faithful to the Lord. So if you call on Christ for salvation, and, and you call Him as your Lord and Savior, you can thank Abraham when we get to heaven in a big way. Because he was obedient to God, and he has actually been labeled the father of our faith. Okay, because he he listened to God and obeyed God when he didn't know anything else. It was complete faith. It was completely blind in that sense. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. But God wanted to take this man, this old guy, 90 years old, and give him a child. And then through that child, he would populate the earth in a whole new race of people called the Hebrews, the Jews, and he was going to, out of that race of people, the Jews, he was going to bring the Messiah, who would be born of a woman, and he would have Messiah come out, and Messiah would rescue us from our sins. And so Abraham, if he doesn't obey God, we don't get Messiah. Do you see how important this is? Do you see how important it is for you and for me, what Abraham did? And don't ever think that when God asks something of you that it's going to have some small effect. You have no idea when God puts something on your heart what could happen if you just will simply obey Him and go by faith and and become obedient. Because what you do for the Lord may have rippling effects into the future beyond what you can even imagine. Don't think that it's some small thing if God puts something on your heart. Don't think that, well, he can have someone else do it. No, he's picked you and he's asked you to do it. You have a great opportunity in front of yourself. Do not squander it. You have no idea what it could, how it could affect the rest of someone else's life or the future that you're standing in. I don't think Abraham was thinking about this very thing too much. I don't think he was thinking about that. But it just says there, God gave him this promise and he puts his feet on pilgrimage. Isn't that great? Psalm 84, we read it right before here. God puts your feet into pilgrimage. When you walk with God, you're walking with Him because He's walking. Do you know what I'm saying? You're following Him because He is moving. Okay? And this is what happens. So Abraham gets put onto pilgrimage, and it says that he lived in tents, ...and that he, him and Isaac and Jacob, his, those were his son and his grandson... ...they were heirs with him and they had the same promise... ...but yet they lived in tents. And it says they were looking forward to a city with foundations... ...whose architect and builder was God. And this is trusting in the promise that, look, I can't make this thing happen. Abraham's looking at his wife Sarah. He's this old dude. He's looking at her. She actually laughs. She laughs when God says, you're going to have a baby... He meets with Abraham and he says, you're going to have a baby. And she laughs in the tent. And so they name him Isaac. And it's, it's in reference to laughing. okay? And so his name is even in reference to what she did in the tent laughing. And um, because she's old. And it's okay for you to have moments of weakness in your faith. It's okay for you to struggle. There's a great story in the Gospels where Jesus is with this individual and and he helps this man out so much and he heals and he says, he says, do you believe I can do this? He says, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. That was his request of Jesus. Help me in my unbelief. And Jesus didn't turn to him and go, you loser, you lack of faith Peon, get out of my face. Where's your faith? Now, there were people that Jesus looked at and said, you faithless generation. And he outright rebuked them. But this guy, he didn't do that. This guy admitted that he was struggling in his faith. He admitted that he wasn't strong at the moment. And he said, help me in my unbelief, Lord. Oh, that we would do that. That in a moment of unbelief and struggle, we would just turn to Jesus and say, I'm struggling right now, Jesus, please. Help me. I believe, but I'm struggling to fully believe, Lord. Bless you two times. But faith will trust in the promise. And God had promised Abraham that he was going to take him, and he was going to make him. He was going to take him from a land of pagan worship, and he was going to become his God, and then he was going to walk with him, and then he was going to make him into a nation of his own. And this just doesn't happen all the time. This is something very unique. It was unique in history, never to be happened again. Never to happen ever again. And so he takes this old man and he gives him a promise and he's going to give him a child. And so I want to encourage you this, that number one, faith goes. And number two, faith lets go. So when you're trusting in the promise of God for whatever it may be in your life. And there may come a point in your life where you're going to have to trust God for something. Okay? If you walk with them long enough, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to need to trust him for something. For some of my young adults, it was trusting God for a spouse. They're done with their college, they're in their career, and now they're waiting for that special uh, guy or girl to come into their life so that they can become a husband or wife. And, and so that's a very big trial in a lot of people's life. I walked through that my own self when I was in my mid-20s until God brought me my wife. I had to trust God in his promise. Some of you guys are trying to figure out what college you're going to go to and you're praying to the Lord, "Help me, give me some direction. Where am I supposed to go, God? What am I supposed to even do in college? I don't even really want to go to college." You know, and God's like and he's holding off and he hasn't quite told you. Sometimes you're just going to have to take a step and trust and ask God to help you in those moments. But one thing I know is that faith goes. It doesn't stay God didn't look at Abraham and say, Hey, I want, you to, I want you to leave your family and everybody that you know, and I'm going to lead you to a place where you don't know. And Abraham just stuck there. He didn't stick there. He put his feet into motion, and he went. He went. But faith also lets go. You know how difficult it must have been for Abraham to leave his family, to leave those comforts of his own family, and he was fairly wealthy, and he, was, he, was, he had been there for a long time, and to be able to, to just leave all that in behind and turn, and then move forward into what God would have for him, it's going to take a requirement of not only going, but also of letting go. Because if you if you begin to put your feet in motion for the Lord and walk for the Lord, but then you begin to look back at where He's taken you from, then now your heart has become divided. You're no longer singly focused on what He has in front of you. You've turned back. And it's of no good for God. Because He doesn't have your attention. He doesn't have you. And so you look back. And this is what the people of, of Israel did when they were released from slavery, when Moses led them out of slavery after being in slavery for 400 years. And they got out into the wilderness. And God is their clothes aren't wearing out, he's feeding them from uh, water from a rock, he's giving them quail in the evening to eat, which is really yummy, and manna, which You know, we on the pastoral staff believe that manna is basically the Krispy Kreme donut. And so God's giving them donuts in the morning, quail for dinner, water from a rock. He gives them this beautiful pillar of fire at night to keep them warm in the desert. And then He gives them this pillar of smoke in the day to shade them so they don't become, you know, fried little bacon bits out there. Well, they wouldn't be bacon because they're Hebrews, so that wouldn't have worked. But you know what I'm saying. Um, But so God is taking, but what do they do? They say, Oh, Moses, did you bring us out here in the desert just so we can die? Did you bring us out here to kill us? And they say, we want to go back where we had onions and leeks. First problem, onions are fruit of the devil. Everyone needs to put that in your notes and remember that. Fruit of the devil, onions. Hate them. They're disgusting. You should not eat them. If you eat them, I mean, what else are you going to eat and you can't even have a conversation with somebody because your breath is going to hurt them? Why should we eat them? The devil wants you to eat onions so that you can turn people away. Think about it. It's a plot from the enemy. He doesn't want you to speak the gospel to somebody because they're going to be like, "Pull oh, your breath. It's repelling people. And they wanted to go back to onions and leeks. I don't know that's some kind of bean or something. But faith goes and faith lets go. And so you have to be willing when God says you're going to trust in the promise. And trusting in the promise means that you are going to have to take a step of faith. And you're going to have to let go of some of the things that maybe you've been hanging on to in order for you to trust in the promise of God. Then go to verse 11 with me in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren was enabled to become the father, a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. If you're taking notes, the second point that I want to point out to you is that faith tarries in the promise. It tarries in the promise. And that word tarry just simply means to wait. It waits on the promise. Uh, when God shares with Abraham that he's going to do all of these things, he doesn't, he doesn't immediately give him a son and all of that. He has to wait a, a season of time. He has to wait for God to go to work. He has to wait and trust God in that time period. And so th- through this phase of hearing God and seeing God fulfill what he told him, there's this waiting period. And this is the time that I think for many of us can be the most difficult time in our life because this is when we want to begin to do things in our own way, take matters into our own hands, and try and help God out a little bit. And the reason I know that is because not only have I done that personally, but that's exactly what Abraham did. So Abraham's waiting for this promise, and Sarah's waiting to get pregnant, and you you got to understand, they're, they're like 90 and 100 years old. They're old people, okay? Now, they live to be a lot longer, but they're still old. And Sarah looks at Abraham and says, Hey, you know what? I've got this young, pretty sweet-looking maidservant. And why don't you get with her? She'll give you a child because she can get pregnant. And that'll be the promised child. And so, so Abraham's like alright, I'll do it, twisting my arm, alright, you know, half your age, I'll do it, whatever. You guys don't get this joke, that's great. Um, uh, anyways, so Abraham and Sarah take matters in their own hands, they get with Hagar, the maidservant of Sarah, and the result is uh, this young man uh, by the name of Ishmael, Ishmael. And he is not the one whom God wanted. See, you can't solve spiritual promises and spiritual problems with fleshly answers. And that's exactly what Abraham had. He had a promise that came from God. God is spirit. And God's going to answer that promise with a supernatural way. He's not going to do it in a different way. And so Abraham took matters in his own hands and he tried to fix a spiritual problem with an earthly way. A fleshly way. A carnal way. A way that in his mind made sense. But God says, my ways don't make sense sometimes. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. And so Abraham turned to his own ideals and his own plan. And he ends up putting himself in a big mess. And it takes even longer for the promise to come. Because Isaac will be the one who's going to be born to him, who is the promised son. But the waiting can be the most challenging thing because waiting, you have to be patient. You have to continuously look to God. And it, we're told in here in Hebrews that even though he considered him good as, as good as dead, in other words, the promise came, the promise waited, and the promise looked like it was as good as dead, like God was not going to do it. Not going to do it. And sometimes when you're waiting on God and he's shared something with you and you're waiting for him, That promise is going to feel as dead as a corpse, no life, no movement, no warmth. What are you going to do in that moment? You're going to trust and you're going to tarry. You're going to wait for the Lord to keep his promise. Peter tells us that God is not slow in keeping his promise as many would think. Some people think that God's slow and doesn't keep his promises, but God always keeps his promises. And we're told that the promises in Scripture are yes and amen found in Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to wait for God to do what he wants to do. And then, lastly, guys, if you're taking notes, Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verses 17 through 19 it, faith is tested in the promise. So faith trusts in the promise faith tarries in the promise, and faith is tested in the promise. So now we're going to move forward a little bit. It says in verses 17 through 19 that by faith Abraham, when God tested him, he tells us right there, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who he had received as a promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. What we're told here is that after Isaac is born, Isaac is now in his thirties, he's probably around 33 years old, so he's a full-grown man. And uh, God wakes up Abraham and says, go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son there. Now, I wonder if Abraham, when he heard the Lord say that, if he just didn't second guess, like, (laughs) let me get my coffee first. I'm hearing crazy things. Like, I'm supposed to go kill my son? The one who's going to, like, populate the earth with as numerous as the stars? (sighs) I love coffee. What's that guy? You You want me to What? To kill him. To sacrifice him. Oh, it sounds more reverent. Sacrifice him. Okay. And he does it. He gets a couple servants and he gets Isaac and he says, hey, come on, we have to go on a three-day journey. And they go over to this mountain, Mount Moriah. And as they're ascending to the mountain, Isaac looks at his dad and he says, hey, I see the wood and I see the fire, but I don't see the sacrifice, so Abraham hadn't told him anything, and Abraham's response to him was, the Lord himself will provide a sacrifice, and some of you guys know the story, he gets up there, and he makes this altar, and he puts the firewood underneath it, and he's, he's got it all ready, and he looks at Isaac, and he begins to tie Isaac up, and he lays Isaac there, now Isaac willingly lays on there, he's, in his 30s, he could take this old man, right? He could tie him up and put him up there, hogtie him and say, Dad, what are you, you nuts You're in your old age? You've gone crazy. Put you in a home. But no. <laughs> he lies down on the altar. And he's going to kill him. And so he pulls out a knife. And as he's about to kill him, God stops him. The angel of the Lord stops Abraham and says, stop, stop. I've got, some, I've got a sacrifice. And caught in some thorns and thistles. Remember that? Genesis 3. Caught in some thorns and thistles was a ram. And so he takes that ram and he sacrifices it there on Mount Moriah. Now, there's some cool things that I want to point out to you real quick about Mount Moriah and this ram. First of all, God told Abraham, or Abraham pronounced to Isaac that God himself will provide a sacrifice. And so we know that God was going to provide the sacrifice. We know that it was a male a goat that was, or a male sheep, or a ram that was caught in the thickets. In Scripture, when we see thorns and thistles, there's this really cool thing, and, and it's, it's a law in, when you're reading the Bible, and it's the law of first pronouncement. When we saw the first time thorns and thistles, it was a result of sin, and it was a part of the curse. And what did they uh, fabricate together and put on Jesus' head? It was a crown of what? Of thorns. It was a symbol of the curse that all of us are living under. And so they put a crown of thorns on Christ's head. And the very place where Jesus was sacrificed on the cross was a place called Golgotha. And you can go to Israel and see it today, but it's also known as Mount Moriah. God was pointing to the promise that He had made in Genesis, that He was going to fulfill it, ...through Abraham, Isaac, and he was going to bring Messiah out... ...and he would provide a sacrifice for you and for me. For you and for me. But before he was going to do that, he had to test Abraham... ...and say, do you love me more than you love the promise? And for you and I, that's a big thing to think about. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be so fixated on this promise... ...that you're going to lose sight of God... You're going to be so fixated on the hand that you're going to lose sight of what it's connected to. And that's the Lord himself who provides the promise for you. And so what happens is God tests you and says, do you like the very thing in my hand or do you like me more? Because I'm greater than all of those things whatever promise it is that you're hoping in God for, whatever that may be in your life, maybe now or maybe down the road in five or six years or ten years, whatever it is, is it going to be bigger to you than God or it will be more important to you than God himself, your relationship with him? Because if that's what happens, it's become an idol in your life and it's taken the place of the Lord and you need to check yourself because that's not what God desires. He wants proper uh, alignment in all of this. And Abraham was tested. I believe Abraham was being tested. He had the son. It was the seed, the promise. God had did it. It was a miracle. The birth itself was a miracle. And now he's going to go kill it? Well, how how can God make my descendants as numerous as the stars if the only son I have is now dead? It says that Abraham figured him as good as dead. But that God could raise him from the dead if he needed to. He truly... Pass the test. And you guys, we're going to be in those places in our own lives at some point. Okay? God's going to give you a promise. You're going to have to wait for the promise. You're going to trust the promise. And then it could be tested. And I just want you to know, when it comes to the testing part, uh, one thing is that there's no skipping questions on the test. If you begin to, to you know, side-road God and go a different route and just to get what you want, He knows it all. He sees it all. He's just going to bring you right back to that place where you were before. There's no skipping questions on the test. Okay? And secondly, whatever you give up to the Lord, He can multiply. No sacrifice that we offer to the Lord is ever looked upon in any way other than with complete joy from God. And whatever you can give to Him, He can outgive you back as much as He desires. And so when Abraham offered his son up, He knew that what God had was infinitely better, and so he could trust him in that way. And so if you come to that place of testing, you can simply lay that in God's hands and say, you pick God, you choose God, you decide, God, what you want to do. I want you regardless. And that's the posture of a heart of someone who's walking by faith. This is an exciting life. That's not some boring Christianity, if you ask me. When I read this stuff, I'm thinking, how can people think the Bible's boring? It just saddens me. But you guys are standing as a generation that can live for Jesus Christ completely wholeheartedly, 100% surrendered. And he may have a faith journey for you, a pilgrimage for you that's set apart that no one else can have. In other words, I can't do what God's called you to do. You can't do what God's called me to do, and that's a good thing. Just do what God's called you to do. That's all I ask. Amen? Let's pray. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.